When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Packed house at Edgbaston was treated to the match of the World Cup so far. New Zealand edging a final over thriller to effectively end South Africa's hopes of semi-final qualification. As a low-scoring contest neared its climax, the Kiwis needed their big men to step up. And there are a few bigger men than the mighty Colin de Grandtom, the no-nonsense all-rounder backing up an excellent performance with the ball by bludgeoning a crucial half-century. But New Zealand's hero, of course, was the majestic, the magnificent Kane Williamson, nerveless to the last. With seven runs needed from five, the black cap skipper launched the ball into the stands to bring up his century before dabbing his next delivery down to third man, as he likes to do, to seal a four-wicket win. South Africa's slim chances of a late dash into the top four are all but over after a consecutive, fifth consecutive World Cup defeat to New Zealand. For the Kiwis, a semi-final berth surely awaits. Welcome to the Wisden Cricket Daily podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon, and I'm joined by South African journalist Daniel Gallen, a familiar voice to regular listeners of the show, who witnessed the drama firsthand today in Birmingham. Dan, how are you bearing up? Well, as a, as a Proteus fan, I'm obviously not too chuffed, but as a cricket fan, it was, a, as you say, the, the game so far, and you know, I've been watching cricket a fair amount of time, and you know, I'll have to really think long and hard about a, a better knock than the one from Kane Williamson. It was just... It was near perfection. I mean, he, he he strayed once when Imran when Imran Tahir found the tiniest of, of of edges, but apart from that, it was it was just near perfection. Yeah, I mean, we'll obviously come into the to South Africa, but I think we do need to start with with Williamson because, I mean, the the term masterclass is overused in cricket, but that that's exactly what we saw today, wasn't it? Uh, he just looked so utterly in control of the situation. Uh, even as kind of the wheels were coming off around him, drop catches, run out chances, he just looked, he had a grin on his face for most of that. Just perfectly paced. He just thought, he, he looked like he knew how the game was going was gonna to unfold. He, he figured as long as he stays there, he's going to get it. I mean, there was a state, I think four overs went by where he was middling everything, but hitting a straight to cover and hitting a straight to mid off. And, you know, lesser batsmen may have got flustered with that. They may have looked to go inside out or over the top or start paddle sweeping. And let's get at the other end, Martin Gutter stood on his wickets. Ross Taylor, who is, is a better one-day player than Williamson, at least for the last couple of years, he tickles one down the leg side and gets caught behind. Um, Chris Morris is on fire and gets later out with the Jaffa. You know, once again, lesser batsmen may have, 
may have freaked out, may have stressed, and may have, may have tried some funky things, but Williamson just played an, an absolute gem of the innings. As you say, masterclass is overused, but this was the epitome of that. And especially at the end there, when Colin de Grandtom, who'd, who'd batted brilliantly for that half century, I, I had to say I didn't necessarily think he had an innings like that in him under pressure in a World Cup situation, but he played brilliantly, but, but then hold out just as it looked like New Zealand were about to get over the line. And then the whole situation changed again. And we had, when we get down to the final over, Ngidi bowled an excellent penultimate over. We get down to the final over and suddenly, for a brief moment there, it felt like South Africa might, might be favourites. Did, did you feel it swinging that way? Yeah, I did. You know, once again, I had to, I had to try and remain professional and of not, not be the blink, the blinkered Proteus fan that I, I still have deep down, despite me getting the ticket on the, in the in the press box and having to to be a professional. But yeah, it, it kind of felt like that. Some of the more measured heads around me were like, dance it down. This is the, you know, the, the result is all sealed up. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that in in the Grand either. I mean, he he looks like a village cricketer. He looks like your your. Your third, your third team's captain, father of four, you know, is kind of chubby. He bowls his little doublers. He just swings his his big frame at everything. But he middled them all, and he and his bowling was amazing. I mean, you know, yes, Williams deserves man of the match, but not far behind is the Grandman, who, you know, there's a bug being born, stuck one over on his on his fellow Africans. I, I thought that watching him today, he's like the greatest village cricketer that ever walked the earth. You just, it, you think it'd just be better than. Coley, Root, Williamson at that level. He just looks like he's kind of kind of born for it, um, and, and played played really nicely today until it until obviously holding out and putting the pressure on Williamson at the end. But South Africa did have their chances to get Williamson, as you said at the start of the show. That bizarre sequence of events where in Imran Tahir's final over, um, Williamson plays a cut stroke. There's there's the, a small sound, but De Kock says no. De Kock says there's no. Uh, there's no need to send it upstairs for a review, which South Africa did still have. Uh, and the match goes on. Uh, and then we only see a ball, two balls later, that actually what South Africa have done there it really is is throw away the game, haven't they? Yeah, what, 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 with, with, with the appeal. So afterwards, they asked, we asked Fafdu Bassi, you know, did, did it feel like he, he'd licked it? And he said no. And we asked Kane Williamson, and, and Kane Williamson said he didn't think he did. Had, had it been given out, he probably would have reviewed. And I think the reason why South Africa didn't review it is, is the combination of the two characters involved. Imran Tahir was uber and eyeing just about every ball. He was, yeah. you know, so, I mean, he, you know he, his trademark celebration, he looked like he really wanted to wheel off away on one of, on one of those runs. So he was, he was death for a wicket. And Quinton Lecoq is, is a keeper who more often than not thinks it's out when in actual fact there's a huge inside edge on the pad or it's clearly going down late. So I think the combination of, of Tahir's exuberance and, you know, uh, De Kock's stoic reaction where he was he seemed pretty convinced, I think that made the uh, duplicate mind up. But yeah, at that stage, I think New Zealand still needed 16 of 66. If Williamson goes, you know, can the ground home carry on? I mean, what do you feel the... Would he feel perhaps more responsibility and, and look to be a bit more measured for a while? I mean, you don't know. These games are, are won and lost on such fine margins. But, yes, I mean, that's how it's hard to... I mean, I think if 5 to lies awake at night thinking about that, it'll be, a, it'll be a long couple of weeks. I think they were just beaten by the better side. There was also there was another chance as well. There was a run-out opportunity. I think it was Rabada who threw the ball and Miller failed to gather. And again, it just if there'd been a slightly cooler head from South Africa there, that actually Williamson would have been long gone. He only had to throw it to Miller. It didn't have to be a direct hit. Again, the opportunity passes them by. That's right. 
you know, looking at it on slow-mo, it looks like quite an obvious chance. You know, the big fast bowler's run up. He's discharged in. He's delivered a fast ball. He sees the opportunity. He runs. He wants to release quickly. And a little bit, you know, if the ball's a little high or, or if it's a little short and it bounces, easier for, for Miller. But it kind of catches him on the half volley. And, and, you know, that's really difficult to do. Again, fine margins. You know, but I guess when it comes to these two teams... As you said earlier, you know, New Zealand, this is the fifth World Cup in a row that they've beaten South Africa, the third one in a row that they've knocked them out effectively. Um, I guess those are the margins that these sorts of things come down to. Yeah, they're going to be sick of the sight of them, aren't they? Um, let, let's 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 analyse South Africa's World Cup, which of course isn't quite over, but it, it certainly feels that way after the result tonight. Um, I've picked out a few stats, which I think rather sum up South Africa's tournament. Maybe we can have a little chat about a few of them. So, Hashim Amla's strike rate in this tournament, 59 now, that's partly because he was didn't have any pressure in the Afghanistan game and, and went slowly. But even in that circumstance, it felt like a time to get himself into some form. It was a real struggle for Amler in this tournament, wasn't it? Uh, particularly when you contrast it with the way some other openers have gone in this in this World Cup. Yeah, really. I mean, it, it's, it kind of breaks apart a little bit to see Hashim Amla, I mean, the, the, only the fourth South African to 8,000 ODI runs. It has been a struggle. I don't think he was awful today and I, I didn't necessarily think he was awful against Afghanistan I was one of the few African journalists who said that time in the middle against Afghanistan was more valuable than a, than a breezy 20 um, so I wasn't I wasn't so upset to see that wow it struck 59 as you said when you compare to well the English and Australians and the and the Indians, you know, that, and that really puts it into perspective. And, and especially because Quinton McCock hasn't scored runs. I think if, if Quinton was, was, was going hell for lead at the other end and they were putting on 100 every, every partnership, actually on the strike rate wouldn't be such a shoot because, because Quinton hasn't quite fired in, in the games that matter. I mean, he was beaten all ends up today. It does highlight it, but yeah, look, I mean, this was to be Hashimam's song, and I, I, I hope. I mean, I'm sure we will. We'll remember. We'll remember that 300 of all. We'll remember all the other great knocks, and this will be a footnote. But it is sad to see a, such a legend go out in, you know, quite a tame fashion. And you mentioned Decock, who's who's looked nice at times, but without nailing anything like a big score. It takes me to another stat: number of centuries scored by South Africa in this tournament zero. Uh, now there's been quite a few hundreds already. South Africa haven't managed to nail one at all. It's indicative of a, of a real lack of depth in that batting lineup, isn't it? Uh, well, I don't know about I don't know about a lack of depth because I mean you got Chris Morris coming in at eight and Andile Petrokwai at seven. I mean they they handy. So so I, I reckon them at seven and eight is as you know maybe as good or or, or not far away from some of the better teams. I mean the guys at the top of the order, Hashim Amla, Quinton de Kock, Rassi van der Dissen, who looked really good today. Even David Miller. I mean, these are guys who have scored centuries in the past. But you look at Aidan Markham. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. As, as, as people will know, I keep writing about him, and you know, he's one of those players that I'm quite fascinated by. But I, I don't know what it is. They just don't look in. Very, very few South Africans, despite the the, the couple of fifties that have been registered, very few look in and and ungetoutable. If you know what I mean. The way Kane Williamson looked today, it looked like for the next four days and you wouldn't have gone out even in front of Disson here who was the standout performer it hasn't looked like this is a game changing or he's on the verge of a game changing it's almost like you know it's it's fine best to drive through the covers and then an inside edge and then a, a couple of plays and misses and yeah the, the, it, it looks like a, it looks like a batting unit that, that just is sure in confidence you know I mean smart people than me are, are in the protest room and if they haven't figured it out I'm not going to 
I'm not going to give you that information that's going to tell you exactly why that is. But for whatever reason, they, it just hasn't clicked. You mentioned Rassi van der Dussen there. I mean, he's he has had a, a good tournament in his first World Cup. I think people who, who aren't familiar with him, because he's only recently come on the scene, will be surprised to learn he's, he's 30. Um, he's obviously kind of built his reputation in South African domestic cricket. What, why haven't we seen him until now? What's, what's his story, Dan? Well, I guess the, the, the main reason why you haven't seen him is because there's been Abe de Villiers in the team and, and he's kept him out. Um, Rassi grew up in, in the high fault and the bounce of wickets of... of around Joburg and Pretoria, plays the short ball really well, really fast hands, uh, an incredible athlete, as you may have seen against Afghanistan, where he took two shot catches on the boundary. Mm. Uh, Faf uh singled him out today, and so there's some leadership potential. So, yeah, as, at 30 years old, in four years' time, he'll be 34, he could still be contributing. I think he's just had better players around him. I mean, when he first burst on the scene, he was one of those dashes, those South African dashes, who looked good for a while. I guess kind of like your Vince. You know, looks good for a while, but, you know, for a lot of pretty 30s, but without kicking on. And he kind of, uh, Rassi knocked about between, between franchises until he had an explosive season and then went to the CPL of the Caribbean. And he, I think he's played in Bangladesh. He's played somewhere. And, yeah, the last two years has just really kicked on and was the top run scorer in the inaugural Mzanzi Super League, our, our, our T20 franchise competition back in South Africa. So yeah, I mean, he definitely looks like a leader, and, and, and the way he the way he paced his innings today, as I say, scratchy at times, but yeah, he's by far the standout performer with the bat so far. I wondered, perhaps this was just with hindsight today, but it, it felt like he was batting too low, given that he looks in good touch. A lot of the rest of the players don't, and he ends up facing sixty odd balls. Do you think there's a case for the rest of the tournament to, to push him up the order and, and see what he can do? Because he is a, he's a top order batsman in domestic cricket, isn't he? That's right. Yeah, three or four. Uh, four is probably his favourite position. I mean, again, I think we, I think we're looking at the, at South Africa's uh, results, and we and we painting a bullseye around an arrow that's already been shot. I mean, you, you would you would anticipate that Aiden Marker would have would have made more runs. Mm. Uh, you would have anticipated that Faf Dupuisie would have made more runs. I mean, I think Rusty in this unit, if everyone's clicking, that's at five. But yeah, now that there's kind of nothing to lose, why not give him a, give him a go? Maybe put him in at three. Uh, four is probably, as I say, four is probably his better position. In the next game, the next game is probably a free swing. Maybe maybe you can rest Hashim and let Aiden open, which is his preferred position. Uh, keep keep Faf in at three, and then and then have Rusty at four. Um, yeah, no, I mean, big big fan of Rusty Fernandes and the way he just also the way he handles himself in the press. I mean, he's one of those few cricketers when. When you ask him a question, he actually answers it. You know, he doesn't just throw out some platitude. You, you ask him a question, he, he stops to think, and then he delivers, you know, an honest assessment of, of what he thinks. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, when we were firing questions about Avi de Villiers and, and how that impacted his role on the side, he was pretty honest. And, uh, you know, he was just like, you know, I'm, I'm here because I deserve to be here. And, um, you know, he's very confident. And he, he's, as we say, taken the long route to this Proteus side, but I, I would like to see him stick around for the next four years. I, I would hope that he is still part of the, the, the 2023 World Cup plans. And are there more like him in South African domestic cricket pushing through? Because we've spoken about this earlier in the, the tournament, and you said there weren't necessarily obvious names that have missed out. I mean, Temba Bavuma was in the stands there watching today, but you wouldn't say he's the sort of electrifying batsman who's going to start pushing these scores up to 350. And and I guess the other one who has been talked about was Reza Hendricks. But again, he's he's 29. He's played a few ODIs without much success. Are there these ne- Is the next generation coming through? Are they are there these players bubbling under? Well, I mean that is a that, that's a good question. I mean, 
there's, there's, there's a young kid by the name of, and I'm going to butcher his name, and, I, and I've written it down because I anticipated you were going to ask this, uh, Sinetemba Kisisle. Right. Um, young, kid, young kid from the Eastern Cape who uh, just looks like he's got it. You know, whatever it is, he's got that big match temperament. He, he's got all the shots in the world. He, he, he was kind of middling about with 60s and 80s, both in the, in, in the 50 over game and in the four day game. But the last, last few rounds of both competitions, he, he, he scored a ton in each. And he just kind of looks like, I mean, I think he's got, he must be 21, I think. So he looks like he's on the verge of something. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Vion Mulder still. He's playing at Kent now. I don't, yeah. I don't, he's not exactly tearing up, uh, tearing up trees there, but I'm a big fan of Vion Mulder. I think that he is certainly someone who could bat at six. I would maybe even say bat at five and bowl some, I mean, he's a batting all-rounder. Um, I think he'll be bowling less and, and, and batting more. And I think that he can definitely shore up that, that middle order. Um, yeah, Reza Hendricks, 29. But I mean, if, he, if he's scoring runs, he's scoring runs. Um, Tennis De Brain is someone who's still in the mix. I think he must be, a, he, I think he's Aiden Markram's age or just older. So, okay. so there, is depth, there is depth there. I mean, it's not, South African domestic cricket is, is, is at a bit of a lull. But it, it, it's not, I mean, please don't venture onto, onto South African cricket Twitter to, to gauge the situation because, as you can imagine, it's pitchforks and torches. But sure. it's, it's not great, but it, it's not as bad as some people are making it out to be. Because I think a lot of people will, at this point, point to the kind of talent drain of, of coal-packed deals coming to county cricket. But it strikes me a lot of, a lot of those players are, are bowlers. There is, it's not like there's a huge amount of South African batsmen doing fantastic things in, in English cricket and that they would be in South African side. I guess... Riley Russo would be a notable exception. He would he would probably be in this squad, right? If he if he was still available. Yeah, absolutely. No, there, there, there's no doubt. Um, he, uh, you know, he was touted once as, as being the next AB de Villiers, but remember he got four or five ducks in a row, yeah. and they st- and they still stuck with him. So you know, Riley Russo was not the is is not AB de Villiers. It's not the answer that people were. You know, he wasn't going to walk to the side and turn them into semi-final contenders. But it's interesting that you mentioned the bowlers because. That that brain, even if it is only you know, if it's mostly the bowlers, that means that those bowlers aren't bowling to the developing batsmen, and I want, and it's, it's it's so I mean it's impossible to calculate what impact that has had, but you know better batsmen you get you become a better batsman by facing better bowlers just as you become better a better bowler by, by bowling to better batsmen, and it, it'd be interesting to find out if you could somehow put a figure on it of of what impact that has had on the young guys coming through. Yeah, and we talk about the bowling. Another stat I had. Um, Kagiso Rabada, who I'm not saying is bowled badly by any means, but for a, perhaps the best pace bowler in the world alongside Bummer and Cummins, we haven't really seen the best of him in this tournament. Six wickets at 40. Um, when, we, when we talked about South Africa's pace attack at the start of this tournament as being one of their strengths, that hasn't really come to pass, has it? And Rabada's been kind of symptomatic of that. You know, I mean, as you say, he hasn't bowled badly, but by his lofty standards, he, he, he has been poor. And, and, you know, I want to stress, by his lofty standards, yeah. he hasn't, apart from a couple of overs against India and a few overs here today where he looked quite menacing, he hasn't really had that fire, or, or at least he hasn't been able to back that fire up with, with sustained areas and, 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 you know, working batsmen out. Maybe, maybe they found it a bit too easy to rotate, rotate the strike off him. I'm not sure if he's, if he's maybe been a, a touch shorter than he needs to have been on, on these wickets. I, I don't know. But yeah, he, he hasn't lit up the tournament in the way that we were hoping. And the thing is, the original plan A was going to rely on Rabada. Mm. So yes, we can, look, we can look to the batsmen and say, well, the batsmen are making runs or, 
or or maybe support bowlers haven't haven't worked out or Dale Stane broke down or whatever. But Plan A very much relied on a on on Kisarabada, the best bowler in the world, as many South African journalists and even some English journalists have touted him as. So that has been disappointing. Yes, I, I would agree with you on that. Well, I think before we wrap things up, the final word should probably go to New Zealand because they were the winners today and, and they seem to be marching on to that, to that semi-final spot. Having seen them up, up close, uh, how far do you think they can go? Let's, let's assume they're in the semi-finals. Do you think they can go on to a final and, and win it? Have they, have they got the strength and depth through that team? Absolutely, yeah, of course. Kane Williamson can score 100 against India or Australia or, or England. Um, Trent Bolton's really, really good today. Man, I like... I, like, I mean, is there... There are a few better sides than a left armer who can who can swing the ball through the air. He was he was fun to watch from from right above up in the press box. Yes, of course, New Zealand look, New Zealand look great. That uh, they sealed well off the ground and they dropped a couple of catches, but their ground fielding was was almost perfect. There's a good buzz in the team. They look together. Uh, a nice compliment to bowlers. Santner, very underrated. I, I didn't I didn't know much of him, and I, I kind of dismissed him as a as a bowler that South Africa would target, but. Really good, really good pace through the air. He mixed his lengths up well, and, and the South Africans struggled to get him away. Yeah, look, I mean, any any team that wins that that isn't called India or England, it would constitute an upset. But you know, I would not, I would not mind seeing this New Zealand team win it. So I, I really like the look of it. I think a lot of neutrals would say that. I've said a couple of times on this show I had concerns about that middle order and whether that they had the ability to see them home. But actually, they answered that question today with De Grand Tom taking them all but all but home, and then. When you got Williamson batting like that at number three, then who's to say they can't go all the way? Absolutely, and Nisham looked good too. And and you know this is their best player made one. Ross Taylor is their is their guy who who has carried this their, their you know middle middle orders middle orders rather. And him and Williamson have have kind of scored the bulk of their runs. So it's it, and Williamson acknowledged that it's it's good to win in multiple ways. You know if you if if New Zealand came out and chased it with Williamson and, and Taylor scoring a hundred. 100 each, we wouldn't necessarily know where that middle order stood, but yeah, De Granholm, Nisham scoring, what did he make? 20-odd or 30, he looked good while he was there. Yeah, good signs for New Zealand. I kind of, now, now that Australia, I mean, rather, now that South Africa all but out, I kind of hope New Zealand go on and win. Everyone's, everyone's the second favourite team, aren't they, I think, these days. Um, Dan, thanks ever so much for joining us, as ever. Um, it's always a pleasure speaking to you, if, if not so, if the result even hasn't been quite so pleasurable for you, I'm afraid, but... Um, but let's hope that South Africa can get a couple of wins under their belt before the end of the tournament. Yes, please. I, w- I would like to talk to you guys after a victory, even if it's uh, an hour dead rubber. You kind of only call me to to moan and complain, it seems. But we uh, happy to be on the show. We didn't speak to you after the Afghanistan game, did we? We missed that one. No, unfortunately. No, we'll get you. I was, I was a lot. I was a lot more. I was a lot chippier then. We'll tell you what. We'll get you on for a win before the end of the tournament. No doubt about that. Um, so thank you, Dan. Uh, we'll be hoping for another thriller tomorrow when Australia take on Bangladesh at Trent Bridge. Uh, we have an excellent show lined up. We've got Mark Butcher joining Azrana and me to talk about that match and plenty more besides. Uh, this has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. Thanks for listening. And of course, if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app or Spotify. Podcast Network.